0: Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by the college experience. Get ready for the college football season by checking out all 131 college football team previews. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash cfb that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash cfb and welcome everybody to the tennis gambling podcast here on the sports gambling podcast network i'm your host scott Reichel, and joining me for this episode is nobody it's another solo episode as we're going to go through winston salem but the reason why i am solo is because my co-host sam jacob is currently sleeping in his defense Uh, It is currently 4 a.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, August 23rd. Uh, I mentioned in the last solo podcast that a lot of these podcasts coming up for the next week or so are going to be very, very early in the morning because it's in the United States, and a lot of sports books don't post future lines until roughly 3 a.m., so I'm still awake. Sam isn't. It is what it is, but we're going to go through Winston-Salem. Should be fun. It's a very interesting tournament because it is the final tune-up tournament For some players before the U.S. Open, however, most of the star-star players ended up playing in the two main tournaments, uh, culminating in Cincinnati, and then took this week off preparing for the U.S. Open through rest. So you have a decent field in winston-salem should be fun nonetheless but before we actually get into the preview for the upcoming tournament we do have to talk about what happened last week both from a betting perspective and from an overall tennis perspective starting off with the podcast picks sam and i hit the dogs i actually gave out two dogs on uh, last week on the last week's show uh sam had church to win as his dog against Nori in the semis. He won in straight sets. As for his lock, he did have Medvedev to win the tournament at minus 140, which did not get there because he lost to Sitsipas in three. He also lost a lock from earlier in the week, which was passed down uh, through me because he wasn't available for the solo pod last week, but he gave out the top half of the bracket to win at minus 135, and that lost because Sitsipas ended up losing to Chorich in the final. As for me, I ended up losing on the lock. I had Medvedev to win the first set and the match at minus 140. Pretty tough beat there for the first set. He was up a break early on, and he also had a set point in the tiebreak. But Paz ended up serving very well in the tiebreak. I believe he didn't miss a single first serve in the entire tiebreak, and Medvedev eventually lost the first set and the match in three. But I did hit both dogs I gave out, on the women's side, Garcia on the money line against Sabalenka, and she ended up winning that match, and I also gave out Chorich. So we double-dogged the Chorich money line play, and he won in straight sets once again against Nori. So overall, pretty good podcast. Anytime you cash the dogs, it's nice. However, it would have been nicer if we ended up sweeping, obviously, is what it is. Hopefully, I'll end up sweeping this one. I will acknowledge my last solo podcast. My picks were absolutely atrocious. I recognize it and we'll look to get back on track. But before we actually get into the recap of what happened with regard to the tennis from last weekend, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of joining WinBet, now is the perfect time because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. If you're betting on baseball, then you have to check out WinBet for their reduced juice on baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. Plus, the WinBet casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Win also just released their first quarterback with five touchdowns prop bet. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. All for subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by Odds Trader. On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again the importance of shopping your wines. And while it might be annoying, to pull up several books to find the best one available for you. It takes a lot of effort. And luckily for us, OddsTrader does the work for you because OddsTrader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sports books in one central location. You can also compare the different signup codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The app provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all of your game day bets. We're also brought to you by Run Your Pool. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game more important. Run Your Pool offers every game type under the sun from Pick'em and Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. We've teamed up with Run Your Pool to host a pool for our annual SGPN NFL Survivor Contest. It is free to enter, and there are tons of amazing prizes that will be announced soon. Hop in now to reserve your spot. Get in over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just recapped the actual gambling picks from this past weekend between Sam and I. Now it's time to actually recap the tennis that we saw. And we got to start off, obviously, with the winner of the event in Cincinnati. One of the greatest miracle runs I've ever seen to master a thousands event. It was Chorich and how Chorich overcame not just injuries and some long layoffs there, but how he managed to play arguably the best tennis of his career, and he won a Masters 1000 event, which is just an incredible story. And the only crazier part is the fact that you had almost an equally, or if not crazier run on the women's side, because Garcia was able to beat Kvitova in the final to win the Masters 1000 there. So a bunch of really crazy Cinderella runs here this past weekend. But I'm going to focus on Chorich. And with the injuries that he's had to deal with with the shoulder, and how he had to not play for a while, and how he was struggling with retirements leading up to this event, great for him. It's really a tremendous story, and I am very happy for him. To go through his actual run, he only dropped one set in the entire tournament. He dropped a set against Nadal. After beating Musetti in the first round, then he ran the table. He beat Batista Goudin straight sets. He beat Felix in straight sets. He beat Norian straight sets and Sitsipas in straight sets. Phenomenal run, and I'm really happy for Chorich. But the main thing that I noticed with regard to his game, the serve. And he was never a bad server per se. However, I never remember him hitting 130 on a regular basis with his first serves. And that was really the main takeaway I had when I watched him during the Musetti match. And I actually had Musetti in that match because I was concerned about George's fitness. And he answered all the questions and then some because he was unbelievable. George did change some equipment. Apparently, he's gone with a lighter racket to try to limit the stress on his shoulder, which has given him problems in the past. And it seems like him and his coaching staff made the right move because he looked phenomenal with the a lighter racket and he had no injury issues at all. He will enter the U S open ranked. I'm really happy for him once again, and hopefully he has a very nice run in the U S open, but we got to pivot and talk about the runner up, which is kind of my main takeaway here. I'm going to talk about the runner up and the semifinalists that lost to the runner up. We're going to talk about Sitsipas, and there's a couple of layers to unfold here because he had a very eventful weekend. Starting off with the high note, he finally exercised his demons and he beat Medvedev on an outdoor hardcourt. And he battled from down a break in the first set, won the breaker. Then he fell down 5-0 in the second set, almost somehow worked his way out of it, but ended up losing the second set and then won the third set. A couple of things to unpack in that match in particular. First of all, Tsitsipas used a lot of serve and volley tactics against Medvedev, very smart. I'm assuming his coaches told him to do that mid-match. And it worked out very well. So that was a very good adjustment that Tsitsipas had. Then we get into the bad stuff, which is what unfolded on Sunday, which is really the entire story of Pass's career. A lot of high moments. And then when things get tough, he tends to quit. And we saw that in the first set against Chorich, especially. He was up a break immediately. He was up 3-0. And he ended up getting broken at 4-2 fell behind immediately, then had a very, very long return game against George, couple of break points there, did not capitalize, ended up going to a breaker, and he got absolutely smacked in the tiebreaker. He actually could not have done any worse. He lost 7 nothing in the tiebreak, then immediately had a triple break point in the first return game into the second set, did not convert, then ended up having to fight off three break points in the uh, service game at 1-2 he ended up holding to break even at 2-2 then got broken at uh, 2-3 and after that it was really all she wrote you had Chorich get into a couple of deuces there at the 4-2 service game he ended up holding and then Sitsi Pass got broken right after to lose 6-2 but the real story and the reason why I still think Sitsi Tsitsipas is one of the most overrated players on tour is It's the unforced errors, and it seems like that's really why he's never able to seal the deal in any type of final for a tournament. Of course, he has won a couple. I still think of the French Open, two sets of nothing lead against Djokovic, but you get my point. The issue is he self-destructs too often, and that's really been his undoing. And going through the match, even against Medvedev, a lot of really easy second serves to his backhand, and he would just shank the return. And it happened against Chorich a lot. And even in the rallies, it seemed like Poss would bail out on rallies or shank a couple of backhands that really had no business being shanked. And I'm not saying he should switch from a one-handed backhand to a two-hander, but I am acknowledging the consistency on that, on that shot is just not there. And that's really been a problem for him for the last couple of months, especially. It's why he lost to Draper a couple of weeks ago it's really been a problem and it's why I don't think he's going to win a grand slam. it's just too many mistakes and the one time I remember that he actually was able to overcome his demons in big matches was his two sets to nothing come from behind victory against Nadal in the Australian Open a couple of years ago but he responded to he responded by losing in the next round. So I don't really think that Sitsipas mentally, despite the now pro mid-match coaching stance by the ATP, I don't know how much it's actually impacted him. I think it helped with the serve and volley tactics. It might help him with the actual X's and O's. But when things get tough, Paz still tends to self-destruct. And nothing has changed from what I saw. He had the win that he really needed against his arch rival in Medvedev. And he responded by getting swept in the final 2 nothing to a guy who was in the middle of a dream run but Paz was favored in that match and he was the higher-ranked player by a wide margin. So you could argue Tsitsipas should have won the final but not even winning. He didn't win a set. He got absolutely just destroyed. I just don't trust Tsitsipas. And then you also have the quotes where after the final, he basically said, uh, he said that Chorich is Medvedev but he hits the ball harder. And I understand that Sitsipas was trying to take some jabs at his arch rival with Nedvedev because they hate each other, but it just seems extremely childish. And Sitsipas has really created a bunch of enemies for himself on tour. And Kyrgios discussed this in his post-match press conference in Wimbledon. And even though you might argue that Chor- uh, that Chorich is definitely an underrated player, and he's very, very even keel. He's very solid at keeping his emotions under control. Sitsipas doesn't, which is why the match kind of went in way as it progressed. I think Kyrios was right when he broke down the flaws that Sitsipas has mentally. And even if you want to argue, well, Kyrgios is no person to talk, he is his own mental demons. That's fair. But that doesn't mean that he's wrong. And we saw in Wimbledon firsthand that Sitsipas, when somebody can potentially get under his skin or get into his head, he implodes. And nothing has really changed there. And Pass is pretty unlikable, to be honest. Uh, I think a lot of people on tour don't really like him. But he's still a very good player. I just don't think that he's a great player. I think he's very good. But I do not think he's ever going to win a Grand Slam singles event. And if you want a comparison, I think he's basically this generation's Davidenko. I think he's a very good player who's going to be in the top 10 for a long time. But you look at Davidenko's historical records. He made a couple of semis. He made four semis, two in the French open, two in the sem- two in the U S open, made the quarters four times in the Australian open. So I know that Siti Pass's resume might technically be better because he had at least made a final in the French open and he made a semi or two in the Australian open. But you get my point against great competition I don't trust it. I don't trust Sitsipas, and I think that's going to be the story of his career. So that's kind of my brief rant on Sitsipas. We got to talk about Medvedev quickly, though. Another loss on hard court, and it seems like the blueprint has been laid by Kyrgios of all people on how to beat Medvedev, and it involves a ton of serve and volley. And Sitsipas is very comfortable at the net. He looked like it in that semifinals match. We know Kyrgios is, and Kyrgios didn't get broken in the entire three-set match against him. So it does seem like Medvedev who stands so far back on the court is finally getting exploited for doing so because of opponents who are willing to charge the net, force Medvedev to hit a very difficult passing shot from such a far distance, and they're able to limit the number of shots on the point. And that was really the story of the semifinal match. And I do wonder if Medvedev will start standing closer on the court. I'm not going to totally overreact because Medvedev, I thought, played relatively well the serving, was a disaster in the third set. There were some fireworks going off, and that seemed to really distract Medvedev, and he double-faulted what felt like seven times in the third set alone. But still, Medvedev, we know, is a very good player. He should still do well in the U.S. Open. He should still make the semis. But you do wonder, when he faces off against opponents that are starting to, I'd say, embrace more of a serve-and-volley approach, and we saw it even the Australian Open last year because Cressy did give him problems. And I do think that if he runs into an opponent that serves in volleys, he might run himself into trouble. So we'll see what Medvedev does moving forward to adjust. But now it's time to get into the Winston-Salem tournament. First of all, I do not have quarters available. So we are a little bit limited for futures, but we do have outrights for the overall tournament winning uh, options or the, who's going to win the tournament? So we do have that at least. But to go through the actual uh, outrights for winning this event, we got to talk about the favorites here. And you have the defending champion Avashka, who is currently favored at roughly nine to one. Then you have Dimitrov at eleven to one, Draper at eleven or twelve to one, Rusevori kind of in the same boat there at around twelve to one. Then you have Dominic Team. Who ended up winning a thrilling match against Wolf yesterday in three sets? It was a three-plus hour uh, match. Uh, he's around sixteen to one or so. Uh, then you have Musetti at eighteen to one, Johnson at twenty to one, and that's basically it. Uh, Yemmer at twenty to one. And if you want a potential long shot or somebody who could maybe could make a run, I don't even know. Manorino? like I, I don't really know. I don't think there's really many long shots here. But the point is, the favorite is Avashka. Which tells you all you need to know about how, uh, I'd say, how underwhelming this field actually is. You have Zan who I forgot to mention, who's at 850, who's also a solid player. But you could make an argument for maybe a long shot or two because of how underwhelming the top portion of the outrights are. And Ivashka, I believe, was around 15 to 1 about a day or two ago, but now he's down to 8 to 1. To go through my picks, I am not picking Avashka to repeat. If you want to look at last year's run, he had an incredible run. And I'm going to give it to him. Uh, he only dropped one set in the entire event. He dropped the set to Chilich. Besides that, though, he absolutely just cooked everybody in this event. And to go through those matches in particular, he ended up winning the first round last year against Seppi in straight sets. Then he beat Chilich in three in the second round. Then he beat Struff in straight sets, beat Busta in straight sets in the quarters, beat Rusevori 6-2, 6-1 in the semis, and then beat Yemmer 6-0, 6-2 in the final. He absolutely destroyed him. And it makes sense he's the favorite, but I don't think Avashka is a good enough player to be 9-1. to I think he's pretty good, but he's inconsistent at times. And it's possible he just went nuclear last year. I don't think there's much value on him at 9-1. Now, if you want to actually pull up his draw, it's actually quite favorable. He does face off against Goyochik in the the next round. He had a bye, but uh, Laheko was a pretty big favorite against uh, Goyochik, and Goyochik beat him in straight sets. He would potentially phase Yemmer in the third round, which would be a rematch of last year's title. But that could be the round of sixteen matchup, which could be fascinating. So, you could argue that Yemmer might try to get revenge, but Avashka would face off against Yemmer, and then hypothetically, uh, Draper, Fognini, Team, or Dimitrov. So that should be a pretty interesting uh, little section there in the quarters. So that could be quite fascinating and w- a little bit unpredictable. But I'm not going to pick Avashka. I don't think there's much value. Dimitrov, I'm definitely not picking. I roasted him in the last solo pod. I acknowledge that he's been a ranked player for a long time. He hasn't won a singles event in roughly four years. So I'm not picking him to win now. I think Dimitrov might actually lose to Dominic Team, but I don't expect him to even make the quarterfinals. I think he's got a very tough draw for him. I'm not going to pick Dimitrov. Then you have Draper at 12-1, to who I actually will be picking. I really like Draper in this tournament. And if you're looking at his recent actual matches... Draper looked really, really good in Montreal, and he lost to the eventual winner in Karena Busta. He did take him to a tie break. He also went through qualifying, and he was also just gassed by the end of that match, uh, by the end of that event. So I'm not surprised Draper lost 6 1 in the second set to Busta, but he beat Munphy. Munphy did get injured, but he was up one set to nothing. He beat Sitsipas, which was a very nice win beat Gastone and a couple of qualifiers. But the point is Draper has shown a lot of comfort on the hard courts. And I do think that his style of play will translate well to the hard courts at Winston Salem. So I like Draper here now to go through his actual section. He is going to have a somewhat favorable matchup in the first round or his first match because he had a bye in the first round. He faced off against Fognini. As Fognini ended up beating Lahovic seven five seven five yesterday, but the winner of that match would play the winner of Team and Dimitrov. I really think Draper could handle either player. Dimitrov, I think, could potentially beat. Uh, I think Team could potentially beat Dimitrov, but he did play three hours against Wolf, so he might be gassed. But Draper's real just style of play has re- translated extremely well to the challenger circuit, especially, but to hard courts. And he just beat Sitsipas, So I know that Draper is capable of going through a potentially long run, especially not playing since the Montreal tournament. So he should be well-rested. But if you want to look at his overall numbers, he's been very good on hard court. And through the last year, he is a very, very impressive 34-10 and 10 straight up on Hardcore in the final year. That's a 77% win percentage. Now, I acknowledge some of that is challenger events, and he's won a couple challenger titles. But I will, will at least point out it's his favorite surface, and I do think he has a very solid path. Now, you might have to worry about Avashka, which could potentially present itself. I think Draper would beat Dimitrov, and I think he would beat Team, who would have only played two Hardcore matches in the last year and a half. I think Draper's got a good shot to potentially come out of the quarter or at least to face Avashka in the quarterfinals. So I'm actually going to take Draper. I think Draper's alive to win this event, and I do like him at 12-1. to Then you have Cressy, who is available roughly at 12-1. to uh, Actually, I, I skipped somebody. I skipped uh, Zanschlup. So I mentioned Draper, who I like. He's going to be one of my picks. Zanschlup is a guy who... I have tried to back time and time again because I know that the talent and upside is there, but it seems like he just has a hard time fully piecing it together for a full tournament. And he has a couple of underwhelming matches which come back to bite him. Now, luckily for him, he does have a very, and I mean very easy draw. He faces off against Greek Spore in the first round. I think Zanchlip should beat him. Then he faces off against Sang and Munar. I think he should beat either of those guys. And then he'd either face off against uh, Montero, Edmund, or Bonzi. I'm assuming Bonzi out of that section there, but Zanchloop should, keyword should, make the quarters or maybe even the semis. So you can argue for taking him based on the overall bracket, but To be honest, I still don't think he's going to win the tournament. I just think that eventually he's going to run into somebody who is in better form. And I think Zantrup's eventually going to lose. I like him to win the quarter, though, if you can find that play. But right now, I cannot. So Zantrup to win the quarter, I actually like. I think he should make a deep run, but not all the way. Now, looking at everyone else, you have Cressy at 12-1. to Cressy is fascinating. We saw him win his first ATP tournament on grass at Newport, and then he had a pretty decent run right after that on hard court. but we've seen his return games be a little bit suspect at times, and the serve and volley games all fun until you run into a good returner or you double fault a bunch, which Cressy has been doing a lot. And I do wonder if Cressy is going to be able to potentially overcome those double faulting issues. And if you want to look at his matchups, he faces Duckworth in the next round. He should win that. Then he faces Sonigo or Tabilo. I think Sonigo is going to win. I think Cressy should win both those matches. Then he faces off against either Ramos Fanolas, Milman, Manorino, or Rusevuri, which is a pretty tough group of players amongst each other. I think Millman or Rusevori, if they come out, maybe even Manorino, but probably not Manorino, I think they could beat Cressy there. I think Millman, who looked really good against Gaston, could really make a decent run here at 25-1. to But I do think whoever comes out of that little section of four could beat Cressy, so I'm going to stay away because I do think eventually the double faulting will result in a couple of breaks that he'll give away and he won't be able to overcome because his return... I'd say prowess is lacking in some degree. So Rusevori is a 12 to one decent run last year, unforced error machine. I think eventually he'll run into a difficult matchup. I mentioned Manorino uh, who he might be facing off in the uh, first match that he's going to be actually playing in because he had a buy Now Manorino did have three tiebreakers against O'Connell in the first round, but Manorino's is a difficult player to prepare for. And I think he could potentially beat Rusevori, I mentioned Milman. I think Millman could beat either Manorino or Rusevori. But any other long shots I'm interested in? I'm not, First of all, I'm not picking team. Good win against Wolf. It was against Wolf, and it took three hours. I, I, I don't think he's fully there. I think he could beat Dimitrov, but Dimitrov, followed by Draper, followed by Avashka, it's not a great overall bracket or draw for team. I'm staying away. You could argue Yemmer, but I said before he faced Zavashka in the second round, or sorry, in the third round, and I don't really want any part of that. So I'm going to pass on Yemmer as well. Uh, Looking at some other options here, I did mention Millman. Now, Millman does have a pretty tough draw just because of the group that he's put in, and to go through that again. He would end up facing off against Ramos Vanolas, who he should beat. Ramos Fanoulos is not a good hardcore player at all. But then he faces off against the winner of Manorino, Roussevori, followed by the winner of most likely Sunago and Cressy. But Milman looked really good in the first match, and I know that he's good on hardcore. He's the most comfortable on hardcore. I think there is some value on Milman if you want to take him. I found him at 33 to one. I think that's actually a pretty good price. And I do think that is worth a flyer because he does have the forehand and really just the stability on both sides with the strokes to allow people to self-destruct around him. And as a result, I think there is some value there. Now to go through some other long shots, I really don't have many. Bonzi's a good server. I think he could potentially do something. And you could argue based on his section, he could make a somewhat deep run because he's in that Zanschlup section. So if he ends up beating Zanschlup, watch out. But Bonzi, to go through his matches, he faced off against Edmund. Edmund had a nice win against the lucky loser, but we know Edmund has barely played since returning from serious injury, and he hasn't looked that sharp. He's won a couple first-round matches, and then immediately gets his ass kicked in round two. I think Bonzi beats him in round two. And then after that, he would face Montero. Montero's more of a clay guy. I do think Bonzi would win there. And then he would face off against most likely Zanschlup, and I do think Bonzi could hold the zone, force a three-set war. But I think Bonzi maybe at a decent price there of around uh, 25-1, to I think you can make a case for maybe to win the quarter at a decent plus price. But I like Milman as a player, so I'll go with him. Bonzi you can make a case for, but eh, I don't feel great about it. And that's basically it. If you want to go for some long shots that are longer than that, I don't really have many options for you. I don't think that the Cinderella options in this event are that great. So I'm going to stay away. Manorino, I mentioned a 33-1 to, to beat Rusevori, but following a three-set war, all tie breaks against O'Connell, then facing off against Rusevori and potentially Nolman, I think that's a little bit too much for Manorino to overcome. So, I'm not going to pick him at 33 to 1. If you want to go American, if you want to go local, you could take Steve Johnson if you think that he could potentially make a run here. Did win in straight sets against Nava yesterday, 6 3, 6 2. Faces Pedro Martinez, which should be a competitive match in the second round. Then he would face off against Gasquet or Musetti. Then, after that, would face off against Kubler, Quan uh, DeGir, or Souza. So, Steve Johnson actually doesn't have that bad of a draw here. You can make a case there uh, at roughly, what are the odds here Uh, for Johnson? Roughly at 28 to one. I don't mind those odds for Johnson. So maybe you could throw him in there too, but I do think one of the top, uh, I'm going to say five guys wins this event, but I do think that you're going to be looking at a pretty interesting tournament where you might have one Cinderella or two Cinderella runs I just don't think they get fully there. But to go through my outrights one more time, I got I like Draper a lot at 12 to 1. I think that's a very good play. That's going to be my favorite choice there. Avashka, uh, uh, he could win it again, but at 9 to 1 or so, I really don't see much value. You could have gotten about 12 to 1 or 15 to 1 a couple days ago. So I'm not going to pick him now, especially with potentially facing Yemmer in the third round. And they played in the final last year. I'm not exactly interested. But. Anlip has a decent path. I'm not interested at the price. Uh, my once again though go with my favorite being Draper and then for my long shots, I will go with Milman at roughly 33 to one. I just think that's a very good price on uh, sorry 20 uh, yeah, it' was 33 to one on Milman. So I like Milman there at 33 to one. and then if you want to go through some other potential sprinkles, I don't mind Steve Johnson at 28 to one and Bonzi maybe at 25-1. to But that's basically it. I think that you're looking for a semifinals appearance and a hedge. I think that's kind of what you're looking for. I would have bet each of the guys I just mentioned to win their respective quarters. But unfortunately, I don't have that in front of me. So look for that over the next couple of hours. But it is time to transition over to the actual picks for the upcoming matches on Tuesday in the Lock and Dog segment. But before we actually get into that, we're going to have another quick word from our sponsor. Music We're also brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. And they also just passed 4 million users. And now you could win money on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. And with the NFL season right around the corner, Sleeper is the first sports contest game built into the fantasy experience. The main reason why I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I could join my buddies' contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I could see and copy my friend's picks with just the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group at uh, on sleeper at sleeper.com/sgp and sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com/sgp and you'll get $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleeper's terms of use for details. We're also brought to you by Trade Coffee. Do you like to have delicious coffee delivered straight to your home? Then Trade Coffee has you covered. Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. On top of that, Trade Coffee also has a team of coffee experts that personally taste test over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend for you. All you have to do is answer a couple of questions and you'll get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like. Trade also has a great deal going on right now. They're offering new subscribers a total of $30 off their first order, plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash SGP. That's more than 40 cups of coffee absolutely free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash SGP and let Trade find you a coffee that you'll love. That's drinktrade.com SGP for $30 off. For most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a fun experience in our academic careers. For me personally, I took Spanish for five years and I thought I was decent at it, but I eventually forgot everything. Now, thanks to Babbel, There's a very easy and fun way to learn a new language, or in my case, to relearn a second language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad or you just have some free time on your hands, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually be able to use in the real world. Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. They also have 14 different languages to choose from, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. There are also many ways to learn with Babel. In addition to lessons, you can also access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus it comes with a 20 day money back guarantee. Right now, save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbelcom SGP. That's babbelcom SGP for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. We're also brought to you by Elias. It's almost time for the start of the NFL season. And if you are very into sports betting or fantasy, you need a competitive edge to win. That's why I recommend the Elias Game Plan app. It's the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. Elias Game Plan is the only sports app for the most trusted name in sports stats. The Elias Sports Bureau are the official statisticians of US Pro Sports Leagues, including the NFL. The app is your one-stop source for player news, for expert game analysis, and for player previews. I have personally used it frequently as I've been betting on the preseason on the regular and the Elias game plan. App is really exactly what I'm looking for when it comes down to finding information that a lot of people might not have on some unknown players. But take my advice download the Elias game plan app today with new features available all the time. Take your game to the next level. The NFL season is right around the corner, so don't wait. Find Elias game plan on the App Store or Play Store today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just finished our overall outrights preview for Winston-Salem. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog segment for the matches on Tuesday. And for the actual lock, I'm going to go with the guy I mentioned as one of my sleepers, or one of my long shots for this event. It's going to be John Millman taking on Ramos Finolas, and I'm going to go with Millman on the money line at minus 140. Couple reasons why. First of all, Ramos Vinolas has been a little bit better recently on hard court, but he's definitely not a hard court guy. He's a clay court specialist through and through. Milman's the opposite. He's definitely a hard court specialist. And I do think he should look sharp here. They have played in Winston-Salem in the past. They played back in 2016, and Nolman won. Now that was a long time ago, of course, but I did bring it up because Ramos has played five matches in his career at Winston-Salem. And he's over. He's over five. So the fact that he's never won a match at Winston Salem, and he's against the guy who has beaten him previously on this exact same, uh, in this exact same venue, I do think suggests that Millman should win this match potentially in blowout fashion. But I watched him against Gaston. I know Gaston's not a great hardcore player, but Millman's strokes just looked very, very solid. And I do think he is potentially poised for a decent run here. So I'm going to go with Nilman on the money line at minus 140. Ramos Venola's maybe takes a set. I don't see it. I simply put think that Nilman is going to win maybe in straight sets, but I do think he will eventually get the job done. So give me minus 140. I think it should be closer to minus 160, minus 170. So I'll go with Nilman as my lock. And I'm moving on to my dog. I am going to go with a total in this one. And it's going to be in a matchup taking place on Wednesday, actually, between Gasquet and Musetti. And for this matchup, I'm going to take over two and a half sets at plus 135. Uh, Both players are pretty similar in the sense that they are definitely better on clay, but Gasquet, we know, is capable on any given surface. The issue is both players aren't exactly good at serving. They both have one-handed backhands, and I expect to see a lot of really long and grueling points. And I do think since both players have very similar styles, and since they really aren't the best at serving, I do think you will see both players have moments throughout this match. And as a result, I expect a full-on war on your hands. Now, if you want to talk about totals, you could take 22.5 at minus 115, or over 21.5 at minus 160. I'm not going to bother, because I do think you could get a 6-2 set in here, because the serving really isn't great from either side. But I'm going to pick Gasquet, to do what he does, which is grind. And Musetti's also a grinder. So I expect a lot of long points, a lot of ebbs and flows, potential chaos. But I do think over two and a half sets at plus 135 is a very solid price, which is why I'm going to take it. So once again, my lock for the show is going to be John Millman on the money line against Ramos Venolis at minus 140. Uh, Yeah, for the money line price there, you could take a spread, but I'm going to go with the money line. And for my dog, I'm going to take Gasquet and Musetti over two and a half sets at plus 135. Uh, So that's the lock and dog. Now, as for the schedule for the rest of the week, we should be back at some point later on. Scheduling, once again, is going to be annoying because it's still in America and we have to wait for the actual lines to pop up. It's not as big of a deal later on in the week because at least you have the matches up. And the futures, you don't really focus on that heavily. So Sam should be back later in the week with me. Other than that, looking forward to the US Open in a little while, which should be a lot of fun. But until next time for this podcast, good luck to all of you and all your bets. Bye, everyone.